Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free ebook on how to scale your business to multiple six and even seven figures by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself as the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is DM me the word gift on Facebook at Brent Weaver. That's facebook.com slash Brent Weaver. And I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in business and life. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver. And today we're hanging out with Jan Koch, who is the owner of Virtual Summit Mastery and a passionate Virtual Summit host, connecting with people and building an audience globally. He has been organizing summits since 2015 and enjoys connecting with his attendees through live video streams. Jan's mission is to help entrepreneurs grow their business through the power of virtual summits. Jan, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Brent. So, uh, yeah, man, what was your what was kind of your lead-in to doing virtual summits? What what made this something that you wanted to, or what was the first first event that you, you did? The first event I did is called the WP Summit. It was in 2015, as you said. And probably the, the lead-in will resonate with many people watching this or listening to the podcast. And that is the, the feast and famine that you go through as a freelancer sometimes or as an agency owner with not a stable sales pipeline. You have these months that go really well. You have months that, that suck and you're struggling. And I was sick of that roller coaster. And I saw that a friend of mine called Navid Muas says, ran a virtual summit in the branding space, so digital marketing, branding, and he knocked it out of the park. I mean, he had 88 speakers in 2014 on this first event, so totally overkill. But he made six figures in the in the month after the event from that. And we started our businesses in the same mastermind at the same time. So we were kind of like accountability buddies, if you wanted. So we always kept in touch. And I asked him, man, you have to show me how I can do the same thing because I'm sick and tired of struggling as a freelancer. And I ran the WP Summit. Wasn't a six-figure event, but I made five figures on the first time. Had people like Rand Fishkin, Oli Gardner, Jason Cohen, and so on, on the summit as speakers. And I had no idea what I was doing, to be frank. And no, nobody knew about me at the time. And I was still surprised how many high-level speakers I was able to get without paying them. And that, that was so intriguing. That got me hooked. And then after the summit, I saw projects rolling into me and I got totally overwhelmed. I didn't do any summits again for the next year or two because I had so much work to do. But that that definitely triggered something in me to follow this route. You had so much work rolling in because you, you just created so much awareness from, from you. I mean, was it you, you yeah. weren't doing summit business at that time, right? I mean, you were... No. Just doing kind of freelance web stuff? Yeah. It was just people seeing that event. And mostly those people who saw the event were other agency owners. And they were really serious about the people they wanted to work with. So as you well know, there are tons of platforms where you can hire freelancers. But those are kind of like the same people, quote unquote. Whereas I stood out because I was the only person in the WordPress, sum in the WordPress space who did a summit back then. 
Mm. And now everybody and their dog is hosting virtual events <laughs> and conferences. But uh, back then it was really special. So the people who were looking for long-term relationships with their freelancers and who demanded more than just being able to code, but also having this marketing background and having this business mindset that you know what a website has to do to grow a business, that set me apart. And I was able to demonstrate this through the virtual summit. Well, and I think for a lot of people, if they're an, an agency that's operating in a in a niche, I mean, while us digital agencies and digital marketers, it's like a virtual you know event is is is, is there, there's a lot of them out there. We're actually currently promoting for uh, U Summit, our our in person event that we used to have. Right now, we're running it virtual uh, for the second time, and um, there are a lot of people that are promoting virtual events. Yeah, with like an asterisk. Like for our our type of people, right? But like for other niches out there, I mean, it's not. I mean, like I think associations and other businesses that have a, you know, they they make their money from in person events. I think COVID kind of pushed them into running virtual events. But I think by and large, a lot of niches are still. I mean, it's not like they're super common to be virtual events in most markets that are out there. Or maybe I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. No, you're, you're totally on point with that. And that is what I see in my lead gen right now. I, I have this experiment running where my virtual assistants send 100 messages on LinkedIn every day. So after eight days, we run out of our in-mail credits for that. And the, the calls that result from these messages, they are with people not from the marketing space. And they all tell me that they've either tried a virtual event and they totally failed. I had a conversation like this today that I, I can dive into a little bit. Or they have never heard about the concept and they have a really hard time understanding how a virtual event would fit into the marketing mix. But as soon as they hear that essentially a virtual summit is a tool to build thought leadership in your space, to associate yourself with experts, deliver content for free that builds your email list, and then builds multiple revenue streams. As soon as they hear that, their mind starts spinning and they, they start thinking about what they could do for, the, for their own business when they ran a virtual summit. And I had some people back out of projects because they said, we cannot handle it if we get like 50 new clients from a virtual event. That is too big for us, we'd fall over. But then there are other companies who sell prioritized services or they, they have a course or something like that. And they are totally up for that and they, they love running virtual events. So it's definitely, depending on the industry that you are in, people are, are tired of virtual events, but there are more untapped niches than there are people who have a summit fatigue. Mm, yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, I know, I know with our event, we try to make it as close to like a, in person, probably a different, little different format than some of these. I mean, eighty-eight speakers on that event. I mean, I don't. We'll have like six <laughs> I, I speakers. Wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little intense for for my liking. But now, I mean, so but now you've kind of made this transition to not just like you doing virtual events for your own business, but you know, this is now a thing you're doing for other people. Yeah. Yeah. How do you get from? From from doing this for your own business to now this is like uh, one of your main things. The the reason for that switch was uh, a difficult one. I, I bought 
Virtual Summit Mastery this year. I bought out the owner, who's a good friend of mine, Navid Moases. And he has this fully built out online course business with 74 lessons, I think. Over a thousand people enrolled over the past few years. I took over the course. I took over the email list. I took over the brand and the audience. Problem being, nobody knew about me. And we probably could also have done a better job of introducing myself as a new owner of ESM. But the point in case was just from selling the course, I wasn't able to sustain the business. So I had to figure out a way to make more money from that. And doing summits as a service was the closest thing I could think about because I know how to run a virtual summit. I have a team who knows how to run virtual summits. The only thing that was missing was this lead generation part. So I'm just starting experiments now every month to see what works. And this lead, lead generation on LinkedIn seems to be very successful so far. Summits is a service. It's, it's, it's the new yeah. SaaS, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up, agency owners? Quick question for you. Could your client retention rate be better? Most small businesses are terrible at closing leads. So it's pretty common to churn lead gen clients quickly. But I've been really impressed with a new all-in-one marketing platform that actually closes leads without clients having to get involved. The platform, which is called High Level, is built specifically for agencies, and the best part is you can white-label it so you can present it to your clients as your own software and collect that sticky software revenue in addition to your services charges each month. High Level normally has a 14-day free trial, but as a member of the YouGurus community, you have access to an extended 30-day trial, which you can access at gohighlevel.com forward slash YouGurus. That's gohighlevel.com forward slash U-G-U-R-U-S. All right, let's get back to the program. So let's let's talk about this a little bit because I think there are, I've done a lot of events. I think the seed that I, I want to plant for our audience is that if they are operating in a, in a market, uh, if they have a niche, that this can be a way that's a great way to build kind of overnight authority. Uh, I think of one of our uh, clients, uh, Brian and Kelly from, uh, Brian and Kelly McCartney from ArcMark. Um, they work in the architecture niche, and they, you know, got some really great early authority in their market. They got on podcasts. They uh, they started blogging. They were a speaker at a couple of events. But then, a year ago, they put on a virtual event, and their email list from this thing because they, they got they got strategic partnerships. They you know they got speakers involved, right? I mean the whole thing, right? They sold access to the recordings. I mean, there's, there's like, you know, there's some kind of tactics that are used, right. That like are pretty common and, and yeah. they work right. And their email list exploded <laughs> and they were coming around. I, I can't remember if they've decided to do it again this year or not, but like people were literally like demanding that they do the event again, you know, like the yeah. speakers, the associations, right. I mean, everybody's turning to them now. They're like, Oh, you're the, you run the virtual summit for architecture now. Right. And you know, a, yeah. a year ago they were like, I mean, you know, they had some name recognition. They'd been on some podcasts, but now they have this huge email list and it, it, it was transformational for them. Yeah. And it, that's not a story that I haven't heard before. So it's, it's rather common when you, when you put virtual events on the right way. And I think what, what you've just outlined here is a really good concept for a virtual event that really nails the target market. They, they know exactly who the ideal attendee is for that event. And then they've tapped into existing audiences. And this is 
from the conversations I'm having, this is what many people don't really understand. It's like they worry about how can I get speakers for my event? They worry about getting mm. sponsors, getting media partnerships, because they think they would need to be an expert themselves that's already really well known. And that's not the point. The point is you position yourself as an expert by bringing people together and being the one constant. Like when you think about what a summit attendee sees, they see an event with, with, let's say, 20 experts, but who's the one constant? It's one person hosting the summit, and that person is in every single summit session. Mm. So the authority of the speaker somewhat becomes even replaceable, I would say, because they see you hosting all the sessions with different experts. So you suddenly become the expert, and that is what, what happened for your clients in that situation and by having the experts on your event shared with their audiences, building strategic partnerships with podcasters and bloggers and so on, turning them into affiliates to promote the event, by getting in touch with group owners, let's say in the digital marketing space, maybe you could be an affiliate for an event yourself, if that's relevant to your audience, by getting strategic sponsorships and companies to pay for the expenses to host an event because that's not a cheap uh, project. You have built multiple streams of traffic for an event. And most of those streams will introduce you as the expert to the audience. It's not like you're tapping into a cold audience that has never heard about you. Somebody the audience already knows, likes and trusts introduces you, which immediately puts you in a position of authority too. Mm. So it's almost like if you're, you don't need to like come up with some expertise necessarily for the market. You just, just by you being there and playing a host yeah. MC that you come out of the event as an expert. So you can almost kind of come into the event, not as an expert in your niche. And by the time you're done with the event, people see you as a relatable, trustworthy expert in the market. Yeah. And those sessions most of the times convert the best because you are one of them. You are just like the attendees. And I always say the only skill you need as a summit host is being able to ask good questions. And with good, I mean questions that your target audience has. So you put yourself in the shoes of your ideal attendee. Think, what are the transformations they want to go through? Where are they at right now? Where do they want to be? And how can my speakers get them there? It's not about you having all the answers, but when you can ask questions where your attendees go like, I wanted to know the exact same thing, or this summit is just for me. That is when, when you build the authority. You don't need that in the first place. So let's talk about some kind of brass tacks on running a summit. So assuming that I'm somebody that runs an agency and, and maybe I don't really have traction in my market yet. Maybe I have a couple of clients in a niche and I identify, hey, you know what? Maybe running a virtual summit is going to be a good tactic for me to kind of get some momentum in this space. You mentioned being clear on your audience as kind of a first thing. Uh, what are yeah. What else are some of the criteria or things that I should be thinking about if I choose that this is a strategy or am considering this to be a strategy for my business? Yeah, that's a great question. And the most important thing is, you need to have an audience that is open to consuming content online. So let, let's take, for example, restaurants. You, you work primarily with restaurants, help them build, build the websites for that and that stuff. Think about what pain points do restaurant owners have 
what keeps them up awake at night and who are the experts they are already following? Like what are the most common podcasts, magazines, conferences, and so on that are already popular in the space? And think about what do those people talk about and what is missing when you go through the comments on podcast episodes or go through the reviews see what people like about the podcast and then check what is missing. Or when, when you look at books in your industry, see, go through the reviews, see what people like and what they mention over and over again, get your research together. And then you go out and hunt for speakers who can talk to those pain points and desires that you've uh, researched. And by choosing speakers, make sure that you have a good mix of A-list speakers. So those are the most popular ones. Wall Street Journal, best-selling authors, people like Tim Ferriss, Gary Vaynerchuk, blah, blah, blah. Probably not somebody you will get on your first event unless you can pay them five figures. Then you would have trusted authorities, somebody like Brand or myself, who is known in the space, who knows the importance about being in front of audiences constantly, who's used to doing interviews, who has an established following that is relevant to your audience and to, to your own customer that you want to sell to, that you want to onboard for your agency. And then the last group of speakers that you want to go out for are what's called the up-and-comers. That's what we call it in VSM, which are people who have a really good message. They have something important to say, but they don't have a big following yet. And why do you want speakers without a big following? Because those speakers will promote the heck out of your event because you are putting them on a pedestal with all the other experts who have a bigger audience and bigger authority than them. So this is how you get speakers themselves to promote. And then, of course, you would have to have strategic partnerships with like softwares that restaurants use to manage the tables, for example, that would also benefit from being in front of the summit audience and that also can reference the event to their own customer base and audience. I, I love that you've identified those three because we've definitely had people that have been, you know, they, they have been kind of the up and comers and, you know, you give them a stage and, and it's like, yeah. you know, it's it's their stage for the year, right? Or like maybe the first one <laughs> yeah. ever, right? And and they are, you know, they have a different level of energy. Some of the A-list ones, right? They they give you their list of demands and, you know, they they fly in at, you know, ten thirty. They speak at eleven thirty, and they fly out at one thirty. Right? Um, not not. Yeah, and they they don't need to promote. Frankly, they don't have incentive to promote because their audience is already huge, and they don't care about having another ten thousand people on their email list. They just don't need to. Yeah. What are you? You mentioned the, uh, you know, being unable to pay five figures. I mean, that's the reality. I mean, I just was it is. working on you Summit Virtual, and I was talking to a speaker that wasn't. I mean, he is. Maybe B plus list, right? I mean, like has really good name recognition, but doesn't have the following of maybe a Tim Ferriss or a Gary Vee, right? But it was still like a $35,000 speaker fee yeah. for a virtual event. And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> um, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, but you know, so there are, there are those things where somebody, you know, sometimes to get that speaker, it, I mean, they are asking for that much. Yeah. Is that something that should intimidate people or is it just something they need to be aware of and try to navigate? How do you get A-player speakers, A-list speakers without paying $35,000? 
That's the golden question. And I think people just need to be prepared for that. And the more popular the speakers are, the the more expensive they usually be and the less intrigued they'll be by being an affiliate and recouping the time through promoting your event and getting a cut from the sales that they refer. Getting A-list speakers without paying them usually requires a personal connection. So what we teach in VSM is you try to get into their close circle of trusted advisors. Maybe you get, you, you try to not befriend them directly because they get way too many requests. But for example, what you could do is I, I think it's a story from Gary V's experience when they, when he started the, the daily vlog, the, the video guy running with him every single day suddenly got famous because he was close to Gary Vaynerchuk and people tried using him to get in touch with Gary. That is something that you could do yourself, but obviously always in an ethical way and focus on building lasting relationships and not trying to exploit somebody to get to talk with Tim Ferriss or Gary Vee, but rather maybe get them on board on your first virtual summit, make it a really, really good experience and then they would recommend your event the next time you run it to somebody like Gary or Tim or Noah Kagan or whatever. But you have to be strategic about the relationships that you build. So, so sometimes it might even be, I mean, really thinking long term of, hey, yeah. you know what? In, yeah. in two or three years, we want to get some really top tier speakers that are hard to even get a hold of. But if we build relationships with people that are, we know, we can see externally that have relationships with them that that could be a way to, to kind of get closer to, to them. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lo- long term. I like how you say like in an ethical, like, you know, <laughs> don't be like pulling people's like, you know, they're, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean like, you know, it's like virtual stalking. Right. But I think that, yeah, don't, but don't being strategic do about don't it. Be right? the person. Yeah. yeah. And lo- long term is important because hosting a virtual event once is a wasted opportunity. I think because you put so much work into not just getting all the speakers and recording the sessions and stuff, but you build the infrastructure, you set up the email marketing, you outline the promotional campaigns and stuff, and you can repurpose that. You can, when you have a summit run once, you can run another summit again, super easy because you've got everything in place and you just need to update the copy. You need to update the images of the speakers and the session contents. So it's a wasted opportunity to just run an event once. And also what you have to realize is when you've run a virtual summit with with 20 speakers, you're sitting on 20 video interviews. What will you do with those? That's content for a year's worth of marketing if you repurpose them. If you split them up into short snippets for social media, you can repurpose them into blog posts, into emails, and so on. So a virtual summit really is is a long-term marketing asset, I want to say. I love the reusability and the idea of if you're going to do it, you know, it's a waste if you just do it once. Yeah. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white-label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. I think where the people, where people don't really, they underestimate 
is in the promotion of it, how to get people there. Yeah. You know, they think, oh, well, I'll just put an event page up and voila. <laughs> Fingers and, crossed and yeah. holding thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I for all of our events, I always have this like big grid that I kind of draw out. I try to fill as many boxes as I can with ideas that we're going to run for getting tickets. And we put like little estimates of, we think we'll sell five tickets with this or 10 tickets with this or three tickets, right? And then it's like, we have a goal of like 100 tickets or 200 tickets or 500 tickets, right? Like, like does the strategy line up with the goal, right? Do we have enough yeah. like thrown together? Like, are we aiming a little bit beyond our goal, right? Uh, but what are some of the things that, the, the tactics that you know that work through your experience? The best tactics so far that I've seen work is building relationships with established group owners in your industry. So look for LinkedIn groups, look for Facebook groups, recently Twitter communities, moderators and that maybe Discord servers now popping up more and more. Be in touch with people who already have an audience that loves them and that engages with them. And then recruit those group owners as affiliates and be very strategic with them. Don't overwhelm them, but give them a good idea. Give them like the promotional calendar, for example, give it to them like two or three months in advance so that when they plan their marketing campaigns, you have a slot in their calendars already and they don't need to shift things. If you just tell them three weeks before the event, hey, it would be good if you can send out five emails next week they won't do it because the emails are already scheduled and written. And the more experienced your speakers are, you'll face the same thing. The more experienced speakers also have experienced marketing teams and content creation teams, and they've got their promos planned for at least one month or two months. So you have to give yourself more time than you think for the promotion, and you'll need more connections than you think. So established groups, more lead time, giving people some kind of resource ahead of time, right? Email examples yeah. or email copy kind of for, for what they're doing. So established group owners, what, what other kind of ways do you help people market these events? Um, the, the most other common ones is building media partnerships. So we book them on blog interviews or on podcast interviews, for example. And again, it, it's the, the same idea, but in a different channel, which is, tap into audiences that already exist and don't build them from scratch. Because the one thing we see is that ad prices go up through the roof. I mean, from, I would say, $1 per lead just a year ago to 4 or $5 per lead on Facebook. So paid traffic is becoming less relevant for building a cold audience and we mostly use it for retargeting these days. And here's another tip. Have two different landing pages. Have the main registration page where you outline the entire details of the event. And um, Brenda, I'll share a link with you in the group after this recording to how we structure the landing pages and one of my summits as an example. And then have a playbook page ready. So here, here's a pro tip. Um, I don't share this often, but when you do the interviews with your speakers at the end, ask them for their best strategy about the topic that you've interviewed them. So I'm working on an email marketing summit right now. And the last question I ask everybody is, how do we apply this to grow your email list or to sell ethically to your email list or something like that? And by doing that, you can very easily go all through all the interviews, pull out just the last four or five minutes, get them transcribed, put them together in, in a PDF, make it look beautiful, call it the playbook, 
offer that as a lead magnet to retargeted visitors. So people who come to the main registration page, don't subscribe, show them an ad for the playbook, put them on the playbook registration page, which is a shorter registration page advertising the playbook and the free ticket to your summit. And that usually works really well. I love that we got the we got the super secret pro tip for our audience. So <laughs> now, now it's not so super secret anymore because it just went out on the digital agency show, but that's okay. Uh, so I love, but I love that playbook page. I love being able to take something that you're already doing the work to interview the people. And so you might as well, you know, grab this little bit of gold at the end and then pull that together and use that as part of your promotion for the event. And uh, yeah, dude, that's awesome. So I, I thank you, Jan, for this kind of deep dive on virtual events. I feel like there's uh, a lot more we could go into on these. I think hopefully we've just opened this idea up for people that if they're in a market, they want that kind of overnight expertise without having to go and blog or vlog or whatever for the next two years, right? They could basically run a virtual event and call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much that's what how I sell it. <laughs> Are you ready for our lightning round? Yes, let's do it. What is the best advice you've ever received? Don't overthink stuff. I don't I don't know who I got this from, but but it really stuck with me. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Um, that's easy. This sucker right here, The Daily Stoic. I it's a book I read every single day. It helps me stay sane. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you use daily that you think our listeners would find valuable? Um, yeah, that's GetForest. I think GetForest.com. It's an app to block distractions from your phone. And what book besides Daily Stoic uh, would you recommend and why? So be- besides your book, you mean? Um, <laughs> that, that is, <laughs> that, that is uh, How to Think Like a Roman Emperor by Donald J. Robertson, which is a take on the Stoic philosophy of Marcus Aurelius and some other Stoics. And it is a really good book about handling life, about coping with stress, not going crazy when things don't go as planned or as you would like them to be, and how to make the most out of every situation. Awesome. Well, we will link out to How to Think Like a Roman Emperor. Love that title. Get Forest, as well as the Daily Stoic over on our show notes page, You can check that out, listeners, at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you listen to this week of, you'll see Jan's photo up there at the top. Click on him, and you'll find lots of tools, takeaways, nuggets, and links out to all this good stuff. Jan, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, I have a a free cheat sheet that you can download, which is like 20 pages or something, outlining the entire process in detail. Go to summitmastery.com. That's where you can get it. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, Twitter currently is the best place at I am Jan Koch. Awesome. Well, we will link out to your Twitter as well as virtualsummitmastery.com over on our show notes page, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you're out in your car driving around or on your bike riding around or doing whatever, and you don't have a pen and paper, just go to yougurus and check that out. And we'll link you to the cheat sheet. We'll link you to Jan's social media profiles and uh, hit them up on Twitter, see what's up. And uh, and if you want to run a virtual event, if you're interested in about it, you know, obviously download the cheat sheet, but reach out to Jan and see if he can help you uh, maybe move things along faster. Because I know the first 
A couple times we did events, it was really hard. And when we, when we involved really smart people yeah. and knew how to run events, it got way easier. So, uh, so definitely uh, hit Jan up for that. Jan, dude, thanks for stopping by the program today. Thank you so much for having me. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want that free ebook on how to scale to multiple six and seven figures, all you got to do is DM me on Facebook, the word gift at Brent Weaver, and I'll send you your guide on how to achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.